Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. Michael and I will share with you the wisdom of the ancient Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic Rachma. Michael is the author of Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, for more information on Michael, Myself, or Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, your co-hosts, the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice. Hi, and welcome to the show. This is Tuesday, April the 12th, 2016, and our calling number is 646-200-4169. Press 1. That puts you in queue to talk to us. And we would love to hear your comments and your questions because that makes this your show. Welcome, Michael. Thank you, dear heart. Welcome, everybody. We're honored that you're with us one more time. And I was having a conversation with someone this morning who was... um, sharing with me some feedback on some posts I had put on feedback on uh, Facebook, pardon me, and was a little reticent to do that. And uh, one of the things I really appreciate about this show is the continuous feedback I get from everybody that we get to interact with, that we can keep each other on track. And so feedback is always appreciated. And, you know, if you go back to Yeshua, he sent them out two by two, And I think he sent them out two by two so that they could help to refine each other's process and make sure that one or the other didn't fall into blockage of truth and lose the path because it's through weaving through all the genetic influences, all the generations that are in us. Yes, there's some wonderful stuff and there's some pretty crazy stuff in there. It's easy to fall into blockage of truth. So always first and foremost is to stay on track with love of truth and the uh, that is the antidote for blockage of truth and when we've got someone who we can interact with on the level of the deepest integrity and sense of this work then we get to stay on track and we get to support each other in doing that when that feedback is offered through a filter of rachma and received through the filter of rachma then there is always sweetness in the result. If there's not, then the person who's not experiencing the sweetness, instead of screaming at somebody else and telling them what's wrong with them and what they did, needs to stop and go, hmm, why am I not experiencing sweetness? Oh, I'm not experiencing sweetness because I've lost contact with who I am because that's where the sweetness comes from. And so often people look to the outside and, well, if I just fix something on the outside, then I can feel better. No. If you're out of harmony with the truth of who you are, you need to fix something on the inside. And the the resistance in the culture to taking feedback to to look at that, instead of clenching the fist and coming back with a twisted jaw and pounding on somebody else for what they did, to be able to stop, take a breath, and receive the feedback 
and look for any blockages that may be there and the willingness to love truth enough to, as Yeshua said in the Beatitudes 2,000 years ago, to look into our errors in thought and the errors of our society. And it takes looking at both of those. And sometimes the errors become so deeply ingrained and they're so invisible that it takes a shock to the mind to get it to shake out of its sleep, its hypnosis, its unconsciousness, and realize what's going on. And so sometimes that shock comes, and and when that shock comes, when truth is presented, one of the things that always happens is to the mind that's in blockage of truth is the mind that's in blockage of truth has an elevation of its stress. And when that stress goes up, It is pointed in one of two directions. If you're given feedback, and the first thing you do, and and we had a beautiful demonstration of this yesterday with David, uh, when he was talking about his process and his willingness when he realized that he was talking about something outside of him, causing something inside of him, was to stop and go inside and go, oh, look what I've got going on. Where the non-being mind, if, if your first response is always, well, you did it too, look at what you did. That's about you. That's not about who you're talking to. And there comes a point where you just got to stop it. And you've just got to own, ah, when my stress goes up, there are areas in my life where, man, I don't want to look. And if somebody points me there, I will as fast as I can on them and tell them what's wrong with them. If that's your first inclination, then know that that's where your work is. Stop lying to yourself. Stop telling everybody else what their problem is and start going inside and dealing with what it is in yourself that takes you out of love. And to do that, you have to receive that feedback through Rachma. So you maintain the space of sweetness and you go, hmm. And of course, it's easier to do if you've got somebody who's already chosen that space of sweetness in themselves to deliver the information through Rachma. So often, people deliver feedback through their own hostility, fear, prejudices, and the feedback may even be accurate. But if it's delivered with words and an energy of hostility or fear, and the person on the receiving end is unconscious in any way, shape, or form, then the tendency will be to perceive through hostility or fear and misinterpret. So it's always an inside job, and it's always awesome to have that kind of genuine, sweet, integritous support that's able to offer feedback and then able to enter into a dialogue. And instead of, and one of the the, the key points here is the non-being mind always wants to be right. The mind of being always wants to go for what's right. There's a huge difference. And so if you find yourself having difficulty pursuing what's right because you might have made an error, it's just a worksheet on making errors. It's okay. It's just another piece of work. It's just another piece of work. And to keep moving forward in that pursuit of truth is is so huge, and especially in a world that is so... Um, insanely inspired by things that are meaningless and controlled by things insane. And to be able to 
see that, of course, means you've got it in you. And you'll see it from one position to the other. You'll see it from your own insanity, and you'll be insane about it. Or you'll see it from, oh, man, I've been there, so I can see this. And having worked through it, I can bring love to it and bring healing. And sometimes in delivering information, it will take a shock. You know, there's a a legal term. One of my early uh, educational experiences was law school. I only did three semesters, and then I decided to go for the real law, laws of living. But I did three semesters of law school. And one of the um, the terms in the legal world in a courtroom that often causes a court to be moved to action where they otherwise wouldn't be was called shocking the conscience of the court. And sometimes people who are so lulled in their insanity and their unconsciousness have to be shocked into awareness. And that shock into awareness, you know, if you look at Yeshua, he spoke to those who lived in the lie of perception being about somebody else rather than themselves. And he said, your father's a liar. And he wasn't judging their father. He wasn't saying, look what's bad about your father. He's just saying, your father's a liar. You're coming from a carbon-based memory system that holds all this past information. And the past presents itself and pretends to be truth. So your father's a liar. That's all. It's just, it's just an observation of what is rather than a judgment about what is. And so Yeshua didn't pull any punches when he assessed the errors of his society. You look at Mahatma Gandhi. In fact, I was inspired by my conversation with this gentleman this morning to uh, to choose to watch Gandhi again and to watch how he he they demonstrate very powerfully his process, and then they show how he chooses to maintain love and still moves forward confronting the insanity. You know, there's a great scene in it that always comes to mind for me where where he's in his prison garb and he's taking Colonel Smuts as kind of the symbol of the British authority and empire that has just so raped India that it shocks the conscience of anybody who looks at what Britain has done and unfortunately is still doing, but that's another story. But you look at him being taken in in his prison garb to Colonel Smuts's office And he acknowledges Smuts as a human being, as another in whom he sees love. And he says, I hope this does not come between us as men. It's their first meeting. I hope this does not come between us as men, but I can't support what you're doing, and I'm going to keep exposing what you're doing. You're not going to like me for it. And, you know, let's be gentlemen. Let's be humans about this, but... What you're doing is in deep, deep error, and I'm going to keep exposing your error, and I'm going to keep standing in truth against your error. No, I won't harm you. I won't harm anyone you're involved with. No matter how much harm you do to us, we'll take your blows, but we'll stand as love, and sooner or later, by us exposing your insanity, you will see the insanity of your insanity, and you'll stop. And they did. When all the armies going, couldn't get rid of them because you put up the fist, and up comes another fist. It just becomes a bigger fist. And the British were pretty practiced at that one. So I'm, I'm going to – and I invite you to just take a look. If you haven't seen that movie Gandhi or if you haven't seen it recently, you might want to watch how beautifully this man bounces between the worlds of – being tapped into his true being, looking there for guidance, and then bringing that guidance back into an absolutely insane world. 
and lovingly bringing it forward, but not bending an inch on truth. It's a powerful, powerful film. Also, I was in the in the conversation was thinking about MLK or uh, King, um, the story of Dr. Martin Luther King, which came out last year, and uh, how powerfully he does the same thing as with Gandhi as his model. And Yeshua being the model of Gandhi, you know, it goes back to many people that uh, Gandhi followed, but uh, powerful, powerful stuff. So we're here to um, support human life. And and our definition of a human life is simple. Hold a newborn child. You know what it is. That's what we're here to support. We're here to support you living yours as we live ours and keep learning on deeper levels how to keep reclaiming that where we lose it to our own insanity and to bring support to every mind, heart, and being in the world freely, making it available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet. Not a commercial venture. It's here to become available so that tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years, 50 years, 500 years, 5,000 years from now, on a global scale, Anybody on the planet who needs support in doing forgiveness, it will be so prevalent in the culture that it will just be matter of fact. A kindergarten child will do, offer that support. So we're here to make it that prevalent. Yes, it could be turned into something proprietary that's about money. It's not what it's about. Yes, everybody's got to make a living. Yeshua said it. The servant is worthy of their hire coming available to every mind, heart, and being on the planet, freely, easily, as normally accessible as a drink of water. Only the difference is we're going to keep it clean. Instead of water filled with pesticides and chlorine and fluoride, things that shut down the pineal gland, which is our contact with higher self, uh, instead of those things, we're just going to keep it pure and keep it simple and keep making it available on deeper, deeper levels. And we certainly appreciate everyone who participates and supports that happening. And so, Jeannie, do we have Dr. Tim with us today? We do, and he's on. Well, how do you be, sir? I'm doing quite well, thank you. Awesome. Anything exciting in your world? Well, just, you know, waves of gratitude for being on this team and having you staying committed to doing this work at that level and putting it out there as purely as we can and um quite quite grateful for that and um as you were talking I was thinking about all of the various people for thousands and thousands of years who have had some knowledge of this work different levels and how there's always a pushback and it's okay to have the pushback and it's okay to stand as a space of love to those who want to push back and my job is simply to stay focused on what's always there you know you sometimes when you're talking you say to return to love and in my mind I'm correcting it to return my awareness to my true nature as love because I can't ever leave love if all there is is God Agreed. and God is love and, and you know, how, how the culture keeps trying to make it 
this weird thing that we talk about when essentially we're using these words which are so limited and divisive to try to describe something that's beyond what any words can describe and what Einstein referred to as this energy that flows through and connects all of us that we can't perceive with our senses, but it's there. It's demonstrable that it's there. So I was resonating with all kinds of thoughts like that as you were talking and just feeling grateful for being on the team, grateful to have had the eyes and ears open to see it when it was presented to me. And um, so that's where I'm coming from today. You know, awesome. Whatever, Sweet. whatever arises, love that, Matthew Kahn. There you go. There you go. Well, I um, I certainly am appreciative of having the opportunity to be on this team too, and and so many things that we get to do. Uh, Jeannie and I are sitting here drinking a smoothie made with uh, organic frozen strawberries and blueberries and cherries, and just uh, just just the appreciation for the abundance that we have. That you know. We each got up, or most of us at least, got up to look in the mirror and uh, see that we had uh, two very awesome presents right there in our faces called eyes. Devices that could give us information about the world so that we could formulate perception about the world and our part in it, and then to be given the faculty of choice to not have to live by the decisions of the past and the behaviors of the past, but the simple faculty of choice that we could choose how we see the world. In fact, we always must choose, or there's the the, cheap, the ego's cheap copy of choice's decision. We either decide or choose how to see the world. And then from there, we generate our perceptions, and our perceptions are, are constructs that as a result of a combination of our choice and our content we get to play with and when they don't serve us to see the truth of who we are when they don't support us being the truth of who we are then we get to change them we get to forgive and remove what doesn't belong and get to the next level of truly living as a human life and i'm excited about the day that uh, seven and a half billion people wake up with the simple knowledge huh i'm love ah i remember Dr. Tim said you can't ever leave it, so it must be true. I am love. Wow. I remember. I reconnect with that. I come out of my unconsciousness. And, uh, you know, what, what that day is going to look like is going to be pretty exciting. So I'm, uh, I'm sure glad to be on the team that uh, is bringing it forward into the, uh, the universe and uh, making it available. So and thank you, Dr. Tim, for being part of it, too. It is my pleasure. Awesome. Mom's doing well? Yep, she is doing well. She had a little little scare on last Thursday night with a bad reaction to an antibiotic, but back on her feet and going to teach her CCD class later today and just doing beautifully. Good for her. Awesome. We'll keep conveying our love to her and Jeannie. Do we have anybody with a hand up in the phone queue or anything happening in the chat room to be aware of? We actually do have a hand up. However, it's Magda, and the last two times she said she didn't mean to put her hand up. So I don't know if she means to this time or not. 
Eight two eight. You're well, on the air. Well, it'd be nice to say. It'll be nice to say hello to Magda, whether she meant to put her hand up or not. How are you, young lady? I bet spring has just sprung out all over up there in the Ozarks. Gloriously, yes, absolutely gloriously. Yeah, um, I'm looking looking at tulips, daffodils, and dogwood and everything out here. So, yes, Mm, I did mean to put my hand up, actually. Um, Fabulous. I just wanted to add a little something uh, that may be helpful to someone. I think last Wednesday, um, Bill Constantino called in, and he was asking about um, wanting to get some um, ideas about how to deal with his addiction to sugar. And I went, oh, I know that addiction. Um, that's my my definite addiction is, is sugar and sweet. So um, I wanted to uh, add a little something. In addition to using all of the above, meaning all of the wonderful tools that you've right. developed. Well, actually, my first, the first thing I want to say, and I'm sure that Bill knows this, perhaps there's some other people who are listening who don't know this, but when I have the craving, I just have to have something sweet. You know, when that craving comes up, uh, I... I know that that's a cue, a clue that I've been triggered, that something's going on that I need to do some work on. So that's the first thing is to um, get myself to a worksheet and or some other tool. And in addition to that, well, something that actually came out of one of my worksheets or maybe a couple (laughs) was um, with such clarity uh, that, what I say to myself now when that that first begins, even before I get to the worksheet, is that all of the sweetness in my life comes from love and joy. And just like telling myself the truth, it's kind of like the sweet the word. Yeah, what's the what is the tool you have? The word um, association. I'm not remembering the name of it now. Word link. The mind shifter. Well, yeah, the word link. Word link. Yeah, word link. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So it's just an embellishment on the word link. Yeah. All of my sweetness, all, A-L-L, of my sweetness in my life comes from love and joy. So then I can go on. It, it's like um, it, it kind of helps me to get to be able to move to the worksheet because <clears throat> otherwise you know how addictions are. They're so strong that I could go and and chase after the taste of sweetness rather than the actuality of love by getting whatever I need to process. So that's that's one. And then another little addition um, on the biological level is cinnamon. That if we add cinnamon to whatever I put cinnamon in my in my tea and you know in my yogurt and so forth, that really helps to um, somehow <laughs> dissuade us from needing or desiring as much sugar. So that's that's a little helpful trick that I heard from somebody cool. else. That seems to be, yeah, yeah. And you mentioned something else, or somebody else called in, and I don't remember what it was, um, some kind of mineral. It's chromium. Chromium, yes. So... You just get a, a supplement of chromium. Is that how that works? 
Yes, or you could look up, you know, foods that are rich in chromium. And basically what it helps to do is to uh, metabolize sugar and uh-huh. uh, keep, uh, keep the pancreas in balance. And uh, another uh, good product, and I don't think this was mentioned when we talked about that the other day, is uh, that stevia, they've developed some – you've got to be careful mm-hmm. because there's some stevias out there that call themselves stevia, but really they're just junk uh, flavorings and, uh, and sugar with a little bit of stevia so they can pretend that's what it is. But looking for a real stevia product or some – uh, there's some especially that are drops that we've been using that uh, they actually, instead of loading the pancreas, actually heal the pancreas and uh, do not cause any kind of glycemic spike. So uh, so stevia can be useful. There is there's some stevia out there that's got a bit of an aftertaste. It's not so pleasant, but uh, but there are some nice ones that have been developed, and, and you can check at the health food store or whatever, and they'll come up with it or do some research online. But... There are several, and I'm not sure of the. Do you know, know, Jeannie? If we got a bottle in there, we could just give a name of the line of the products that we've been using in the intensives. Uh, the, I have the drops yeah, of stevia. Mm-hmm. Oh, have you I got one? I do. It's we it actually is. have two different one. One's called um, Simply Stevia, but the other one is Sweet Leaf. Right, and that's that's the one I like, Sweet Leaf, and my favorite is Vanilla Cream. Yeah. Um, Seems to go with everything. I like the chocolate one. I like the chocolate one. (laughs) If it only tasted like chocolate, I would too. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone tastes, but they're different. So anyhow, that's that's what I wanted to add. And um, that's been so very helpful to me. All of the sweetness in my life comes from love and joy. And it's Mm. like, okay, I could have had a V8. <laughs> you know, there you go. It's that I could have had a Rockman instead. That's right. <laughs> right. There you go. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, young yeah. lady. It's a delight to hear your voice and your laugh. Uh-huh. And, and tell that other half of yours we said hello and send our hugs. I certainly will. Yes, indeed. <laughs> okay. And I'll be seeing him in just a little while, so I will do that. And I'll pass it on to Jim Farmer, too. <laughs> Okay, blessings. Take care. Okay. Now, he's on the road today, I think, isn't he? Not yet. No, he's still here. Not not, and... not quite yet, eh? Okay. <laughs> he's getting ready. He's getting ready. All we're, right. We're going we're gonna to go this afternoon and see a solar uh, set up um, on a friend of ours on her house. And, and we're looking into that right now. So that's, that's our objective. Cool. You have a great, uh, Keep... great day. Blessings to all. And I'll continue listening as I drive. Okay. Okay. Drive safely. Bye-bye. 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 So our calling number is 646-200-4169. If you're uh, on one of those stations, we can't see you in our uh, control panel or you're in the chat room and you'd like to talk with us, call that number. Push one if you're on the phone and you'll be talking to us. Jeannie? There's nobody in the chat room but me. I was like, put a little icon out there with its hands up, like, where is everybody? (laughs) And there's nobody on the switchboard that has their hand up. But I'll take this opportunity to say that I got an email this morning from a person who has translated the book into Dutch. And so they're going to be sending me that. So I told them that within the week after I receive it, that I will uh, have that up on the website. So that's a, a new addition. and That's awesome and exciting. That's very exciting. So we'll uh, 
thank our, our Dutch translator. We didn't even know it was happening. So that's pretty cool. That's a pretty uh, pretty big commitment. We'll have to make sure to put an invitation out for this summer for that person to come and uh, can join us for an intensive um, as a as a thank you for making that available to the Dutch community. And if anybody else is out there that speaks a language that we don't have any of our work in and you've got the inclination, it's certainly a way to deeply engage the work. And it is the deep engaging of it. It's not the knowing about it. It's not doing the odd worksheet. It's the deep engagement. You know, when we do laws of living, we have a what used to be a six-week follow-up to complete the course and have certification of completion. We actually changed that to 66 days because the uh, there's some research that just came out recently that says that in order to change habits, it takes at least 66 days for the mind to make that shift. So, so we're doing that, and it's, and it's a deep engagement in the work for the whole 16 days of the intensive and then 66 days afterward you know, it runs back into their normal routine. And uh, so we're saying, well, why would I do that? Well, because you think you know it and you think you've changed what's at the root of what you need to change. And yet you're still producing results that you say cause you pain. And if you're producing results that cause you pain, then you're lying to yourself because you're not producing results that cause you pain. The cause of your pain is the fact that there's something in you that doesn't belong there. The situation just brings that to the surface. You know, we'll oftentimes get a call from somebody or I'll, I'll get to speak to somebody. He says, well, what am I doing to attract this? And I say to them, well, what's your response? Oh, man, when that happened, I went into such a rage. Okay, that's what you're doing to attract that. Your perception is what attracts the events in your life. Well, no, no, Michael, you don't understand because my perception came after the event. No, it didn't. Your perception long preceded the event. Your perception was going on for so long before the event happened. It just wasn't cognizant. It wasn't in your awareness, but it was in your heart. And the event, finally, the energies that need to come together to cause that perceptual capability to coagulate in your mind and come forward to awareness... The stimulus is created, or I shouldn't say created, is resonated into the space to give you the opportunity to work through whatever that response is. So if you want to know what you did to produce the result, look at the perception that resulted from the event or appears to have resulted, and you'll see what the cause is, and you'll see what your next piece of work is. seems like a bit of a conundrum, but it really isn't when you've got the brain cells for it. Any thoughts about that one, Tim? Well, I think it's a piece that's missing. You know, we aren't we aren't trained to observe it, but when we slow down and start observing, I think it's absolutely observable. And you know, we've talked about this so many times that perception is a very active process and more and more as they're learning about what they're calling quantum physics, quantum mechanics, they're they're demonstrating the power of the mental energy that we generate and then initiate to affect what we're calling the physical world around us. And I think if we had more people who were trained to think that way and observe that way, we would start discovering more and more and more about how that works. 
I was listening to somebody to uh, um <clears throat> Cryon. Cryon is a channeling uh, of of a an intelligence or an entity and in one part of it they were talking about think about quantum energies and based on what we know about energy there has to be a source for the energy so here's an example of a quantum energy it's magnetics and gravity well what's the source of it well we aren't you know we aren't trained to observe the fact that our scientists don't know what the source of gravity is they don't even understand how it works and the same with magnetism so if we were if we were more trained to put ourselves into an observer mode and observe how if i change my thoughts and i start visualizing positive things or remembering my connection to my source as this energy of creation and that everyone and everything i see around me is connected to that same source your version of it would be if i reset rachma and kuba filters in every moment watch how my day changes watch how the events in my life change watch how my perception changes and then we would we would begin to learn even more about this process and how to use it to our advantage but i think what we're trained and conditioned to do is the opposite to formulate a belief to focus on the negative and then crystallize the negative thoughts into negative beliefs and then keep sending that out there as perception ahead of the events and then we see the consequences which we're taught to believe that that's just the way life goes without ever realizing that we're creating it i love the uh the way that the idea of manifestation from the aramaic fits into that whole discussion and that the the word manifest where people talk about oh i'm going to go out and manifest a car it's like you know i'm going to magically bring this into expression where in the Aramaic the word manifest is more like obvious and so when my whole consciousness is filled with the obviousness of something that obviousness obviousness means that it manifests so if it's obvious that you know I've got something to hate about then I will take the obvious and bring it into expression therefore what was i doing to cause this to happen well look at your perception it's showing you what's obvious to your mind and if what's obvious to your mind is based in hostility or fear then it's simply time to dissolve the next layer of it well then does that mean i don't ever i just lay down and let people slap me and walk over me and say oh well it was obvious that i was supposed to be love and take a beating no 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 it doesn't mean that at all it doesn't mean i can't stand up clearly and speak in the face of error and expose that error now the error is not going to be happy when it gets exposed but that's just part of the process and so when it becomes obvious to us that each of us is love and each of us on the planet 
comes from that same space, then that's what's going to manifest. And to, to see behind it all, and then, as Yeshua said in the, uh, the Beatitudes, that Beatitude that says, or at least the Greeks tell us, says, blessed are they mourning their wrongs, for they will be comforted. You know, kind of leaves people, you know, sort of sitting over in a corner going, oh, well, I'll just be sad about this, and in an afterlife, I'll, I'll get my reward. It's like, boy, that's, that's just what every victimizer wants to, to hear from the victim, <laughs> the cooperator in the game, as opposed to, hmm, here my victim stuff is up. I think I'll forgive this victimhood and the rage that it brings in me or the sadness or the fear or the grief that it brings. I think I'll forgive that. And I'm going to speak up to this person who just stole my $100. (laughs) And I'm going to hold them accountable for that. It's just a, a, a total interplay that, you know, Yeshua said that it's difficult for people to figure out that the, the, the narrow is the gate, you know, to walk between those two worlds. It's a narrow path, and few people ever do figure it out, especially if they don't have the tool to remove the confusion that has been purposely instilled to keep us from being able to walk the path. So it's all just uh, an awesome interplay and opportunity, and at each stage in the process, another skill develops, another skill set, another ability to hold that space and to be the active presence of love just grows and grows, and when it can't, when I've learned enough, I'll unclench my fist or my jaw and I'll say, oh, this is about me. I need to stop thinking and speaking and doing something about what's outside of me and go inside and think and speak and do something about what's inside of me. Again, Carl Young, so brilliant. Those who look without sleep those who look within awaken. So we're here for a tap on the shoulder and to, you know, generously tap each other on the shoulder all the time to support keeping us all awake and functioning as true human beings. It's a, an awesome opportunity. So Jeannie, anything happening there in the chat room? Anybody else show up or is it just a nobody's there today? That's kind of strange. Nobody is there today, and actually my computer just crashed. I'm waiting for it to come back up, but while you were talking, there was nobody on the switchboard, so I'll be have it back up here in just a second. Nobody with a hand up, I assume you mean. Yeah, what'd I say? Yeah, Yeah. there was nobody on the switchboard. There was nobody in the chat room, but nobody on the switchboard with a hand up. Right, right. Cool. Cool. So if you've uh, listened to the conversation, I know that if Dr. Tim and I and Jeannie were Magda were doing a presentation in your local library or your local university or your local church or town center or whatever, and we walked down off of the stage having presented what we've just talked about, I know there'd be at least a dozen questions in most everybody's mind. Rare would be the person with this discussion that doesn't have a question. Now, sometimes, you know, I'll hear from people maybe after two years of listening to the show, well, I just never raised my hand because I'm nervous my voice might sound funny. No, no, please, please, take a breath, let go of that. I don't care if your voice sounds funny, and neither does anybody else. Your question's what's important, and you may have, like, the major question of the year, 
sitting there on the tip of your tongue, but because your voice might sound funny, you're not going to push one on the phone and talk to us? Come on. Talk to us. What would your question be? What would you be walking over to Tim and saying, Tim, what about, or Jeannie, what, Michael, what, what did that mean? No, that doesn't make sense. Oh, yeah. Mm. How do I integrate that? Push one without any waiting. Your Jeannie switchboard is up. You'll be talking to us. Does it come back up, sweetheart? It's spinning. Hold on. Still spinning. Technology. This technology is just so amazing and awesome when it works. And I know for me, it's given me some opportunities to heal frustration and anger and several different things over the years. I can remember in the early days, call after call, hour after hour with tech support, trying to get something done that should have been done hours ago. It's a, such a process. And you know, so you're saying it's, some it's a blessing the, when it, you're saying it's a blessing when it works and a blessing when it doesn't. An opportunity to learn forgiveness, absolutely, absolutely, definitely. All roads lead to healing. And you look at the, you know, it's interesting. Some people will say things like, and we've had this conversation before, Tim, about, well, well, gee, if they're such a master, why aren't they finished yet? You know, go back to the guy who designed the first computer that's been working on designing them and repairing them and fixing them and working with them since and see if he's got it mastered yet. And and your computer is such a, a dumbass, simple system, pardon my French, but it's just so stupid compared to the human mind and the thousand generations beneath its process. And yet, talk to that technician with that simple computer system and how many hours he's going to spend or she's going to spend understanding the next piece of what fell out of place, what happened, and, and, and this is a system, you know, whether you were the Mac or an IBM, they're systems that are developed by, I mean, genius minds, absolutely amazing minds, and yet there isn't one who's got it all mastered. There's certainly those who have better skills, but you know the ones who have the better skills, what I found is they work at it every day. You want to become a master of the thousand generations in your bloodline? of your mind, of your tongue, of your behavior, of your creation process, of your health, of your wholeness, you're going to have to spend a whole lot more time than that technician did to become master of your operating system. And it's just a process, you know, it's just an ongoing, as far as I know at this point, never-ending process. I, I do not see an end in sight at this point. I've been looking for it hoping for it, <laughs> but it is a process. So, Jeannie, so I hear have, you're back there. Yeah, we have 16 minutes, and there is not a hand up. So, come on, people, ask a question. How can we support you? What's happening in your world? I did get an email from somebody the other day, and so we can present this, and then maybe I can just text them, tell them to listen to the show. Uh, they, 
uh, long story short, they were really good about being compassionate and kind and everything to other people and seeing the best in them. And, you know, they talked about how many people actually had commented on how well that they did that when somebody acted a certain way that, you know, they stayed connected and and was loving towards them and everything. However, when it came to themselves, they didn't do that. And so, you know, they always were beating up on themselves and, and blaming themselves and, and everything. So why couldn't they express the same love that they felt towards others? as they did to themselves. Well, there's this little interrupter in the system. It is called a power person dynamic. Now, for the person who asked that question, let me let me just take this silly, offhanded, wild guess that probably doesn't mean anything except here's how it works. When you do something where you don't fulfill a goal you hold for yourself, is there any possibility that you are doing to yourself what your power person did to you when you didn't fulfill a goal they had for you? Or when your power person didn't fulfill a goal they had for themselves, what they did to themselves? Guess what? There's your answer. You know, this non-being mind, being is always connected to that sweetness and that love. That's just the way human life is. Being is always there. The non-being mind is always connected to its content. Its primary content comes from the generations. You know, you remember that story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years? I mean, in what universe does it make sense for a bright group of people like this to get lost in a 30-square-mile area for 40 years? And these are people that have been all over the map by that point. <laughs> they're nomads. They've been to Egypt. Now they're lost for, in 30 square miles for 40. Come on. What is the desert there? They're talking. It's a code word for the unconscious. And you'll remember if you read that story that the way out of the desert was, they said that the key event that had to occur to get out of the desert, to get out of the unconscious state, was the old generation had to die off. Now, that's the Greek translation. What it really says is the generational patterns, the root of the word generation is genera, it means cause. The causes held in the mind from the generations had to be removed. Well, how do you remove them? It's called forgiveness. If you have not yet engaged in the forgiveness process, we invite you to go to whyagain.org. There's a red and white bullseye. Scroll down a little bit, middle of the page, red and white bullseye, click on it. A whole series of links will open. Just follow those links, one by one by one, and they'll take you through the whole process and show you how to remove the generational patterns. Once you remove the generational patterns, you'll no longer be stuck in that dynamic of doing that to yourself. But I guarantee that that's exactly what your power person did to you. And, you know, I don't know, maybe your power person's dead and gone. But that doesn't matter because the dynamic learned from them is still alive. Basically, and, and our definition in this work of a power person is that a power person is someone who, who had more power over your life than you did and was not functioning as love and there were events that happened where it was perceived as survival. When that occurs, 
the child's mind makes it up that this is how you win. So whatever the power person does in that situation of extreme stress that enabled the power person to take control of or quote-unquote win over the child then becomes the child's formula, unconscious formula for winning. So if, you know, the stress was up and the chips are down for the power person and the power person said, well, you're just such a worthless little brat. And that's been said a thousand times. 75 years later, when the stress is up and the chips are down, the unconscious energy starts to move and it says... You're such a worthless little brat. Now, it might use more sophisticated or more adult language, but the result will be the same. So when the power person becomes operative, dynamic becomes operative, and there are basically three behaviors related to the power person dynamic. One is a situation where there's no stress. So if you're in a situation where there's no stress, everything's cool, I promise you, you'll be doing whatever you did to get along with your power person. If stress starts to build, you'll switch out of doing what you did to get along with your power person, and you will then do what you did to resist and survive with your power person. And then when you become ultra-stressed, you will do what your power person did that you hated the most. It's just what happens. And you can watch the most loving, caring, gentle person, which you're describing with everybody around. But when the stress is up, and and what causes stress is unmet goals. So when there are too many unmet goals, then the reversion will be to the power person dynamic. What did my power person do to me that I hated the most? Oh, they puked on me. So here I am loving with everybody else, and I puke on myself and say, well, why do I do that? Because that's the energetic dynamic that to your mind, to your body's mind, to your carbon-based memory system, that dynamic is what's obvious to you about yourself. Because after all, this God called my power person, usually a parent, told me that over and over and over again. They must have been right. They were God. My survival depended on them. And so now, even in their absence, I tell myself the same message. And it feels genuine and real. And usually because there's so much threat and pain involved, being able to awaken and become conscious above that is difficult next to impossible. And so that would be my input on that one. And uh, if uh, the person who wrote that to Jeannie happens to be uh, uh, with us, if there are any other thoughts or questions on that, I'd love to have more discussion about it. Or if there's anybody that has any thoughts about it, it's, uh, it's such a, uh, a big piece of the puzzle. And understanding that is huge. So does that bring any response from anybody, Jeannie? Uh, not in regards to that, but I uh, did have another question in the chat room. Uh, explain a little better. They're confused about when you say to look without, you dream, but to look within, you awaken. Um, sure. But if you're dreaming, does that mean you're asleep? And can you just explain that concept a little bit? Sure. 
yeah, that's uh, that's a big one, big piece of the puzzle. Well, first of all, to recognize that, as Dr. Tim was saying, perception is a very active process. You know, brain cells fire. We we've been taught that we have a set of windows. We look out through them and we see what's going on out there. Nothing could be further from the truth. You've never seen anything outside of you. Your body's eyes are valves that work one way. They bring information in. They don't send information out. They're not broadcast systems. They're receivers. Information comes in, and that information causes brain cells to fire. Brain cells fire, and let's say in a particular situation there are 10 people in the room. Now, all 10 people would swear they saw what Charlie did and how Charlie made them so happy, mad, sad, glad, afraid, you know, whatever. So Charlie did something. There was an actuality. That actuality set up an energy, literally a frequency, because there was light energy in the room. In this case, it was received by the eye. The brain, when they, the eye received that information, went into resonance, and information began to move in each individual. Each individual looked at a picture painted on the inside of their eyeballs that they thought was Charlie. They had no idea that the picture they were looking at was different than all other 11 people in the room. They thought everybody was looking at, well, so we were all looking at the same thing. There we were. There were you know, 10 of us in a circle, and Charlie was in the middle, and that's what we did. So we all must have been looking at the same thing. Well, if you were looking at the same thing, why did he go into rage, and he went into fear, and he went into laughter, and he went into sadness, and he went into grief, and he went into rage? Why was everybody's perception different? Because perception is a construct of the mind. It is not a picture of what's going on outside of you. You've been lied to all your life. You've been lied to. That's just, you know, I actually posted uh, a couple of days ago, I posted a couple of uh, Jefferson Airplane songs, and I had some posts I was doing on Facebook this morning, and so I went and looked up their song uh, that starts out, When the truth is found to be lies, and all the love within you dies, don't you want somebody to love? Well, actually, they're, Language is off just a little. No, you don't want somebody to love in that situation. You want to find the truth about yourself as love and bring it forward. But, you know, the whole world has told us all our lives that we're looking out there. Everybody thinks that's true. And everybody's in error. It's just not the way it is. I don't care how you cut it. Where there has been deep research done, it shows unequivocally that perception is a construct. And, you know, one of our authoritative sources in that regard, we've been teaching this for decades, but it, um, it kind of came very clear from some research I was doing a couple of years ago and ran across a CIA website where the CIA is researching perception. How do you improve perception? How do you guess, get the best perception possible out of your intelligence agents? And quote, and you can go to their website, just Google it, and you can go to their website, and there's a book published on their website of their studies done. Who knows how many billions they spent on, uh, on this study of perception. And quote, an exact line from the book is, we do not record reality, we generate reality. 
So I'm always generating a set of pictures that if I think is about something out there, I'm tricked. When I know that it's about something in here, then I'm in truth. So I've never had a conversation. I wish. I would love to sit toe-to-toe, nose-to-nose with Carl Jung and have a deep conversation in his later life. Um, his younger look, life looked like it was pretty hairy, but his later life I'd love to have sat and just, you know, had a rap with him. I'd love to have listened to his radio show. And so here in his wisdom he says, those who look without sleep. So when I'm looking at a picture in my mind and I think I'm looking outside, I have no clue what's actually happening. I'm asleep. Now, my waking life, what I call, you know, I'm awake, it's 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm up and at it, and boy, I open my eyes, and there I am. There's the world out there. That world comes from exactly the same place as the dream I had 20 minutes before I awoke. Brain cells fired. That's all. It's all perception. Doesn't matter whether you're sound in deep sleep or you're wide awake. Perception is a product of the firing of brain cells. There are a few less sensors on the system when you're asleep, so the dreams can sometimes give you some information that otherwise you wouldn't admit or allow to come to the surface. And oftentimes it's masked because of those sensors, but it's always giving you information. But if you think... When you're looking through your eyes at something out there, that you're looking at something out there, then properly that would be described as sleep. Carl Jung, those who look without sleep. Those who look within, awaken. So when I realized that this, let's say the situation I was talking about with Charlie, 10 people in the room, when I realized if I'm the person with the fear that, gee, this fear that I just projected into my brain's image of Charlie is something about me, then I can say to myself, hmm, I didn't know I had that kind of fear. I think I'll take a breath. I think I'll go within and awaken from my dreams produced from my fear and begin to apply the tool of forgiveness to remove and get rid of my fear. The person who's in sadness could do the same rage, guilt, grief, drama, trauma, whatever it is. If I go within, I'll wake up from that and I'll free myself from it. That's the whole idea of the reality management process. Again, click the red and white uh, bullseye in the middle of the page. It'll give you a whole set of links on how to forgive. If you take a look on the right-hand side of the page, there's some social media links. The bottom one's to YouTube. It'll take you to our YouTube channel. Dozens of videos there to watch to help in the awakening process. We're here to awaken with Michael. you, to support you in it. Yes, sweetie? They the ask few seconds. in the chat room. Yeah, they ask in the chat room. Yesterday in your notes you said dream, and today you're saying sleep. And I looked it up on the Internet, and it is who looks outside dreams. Dreams. It is actually dreams, yes. Yeah. But okay. It, it, is, it, is a sleep, it is the equivalent of a sleep state, yes. But it is, it is actually dreams, the quote from him. And we're out of time. Have the best year yet of your eternal life. Bye-bye.